0: Good morning, Joey, at first. So good to see you. Happy Easter to each of you. Yeah, happy Easter. Glad that you've joined us today. Uh, I know some of you are saying, seriously, what is with the skit? Like, that is really outrageous, really absurd. Why would we do that on Easter? And and, and we're going to get there. I know you're, you're steps ahead of me, but uh, it is an absurd skit. And today we're going to look at an outrageous and absurd story. And what's great about that is, uh, I think, So many of us have come to an outrageous and an absurd conclusion about the story we're going to look at today. And so we're going to give you fresh eyes, new eyes into it. In fact, you've come at the right time today because we are starting a new series today called Welcome, right? Every one of us here wants to be welcome to some degree, whether you're at home, whether you're at your job, whether you're at work, whether you're with your kids, whether you're at a party that you went to last week. All of us wants to feel welcome. In fact, I bet you've been in a place where you felt unwelcome. You remember when you walked in and everybody knew each other and everybody was talking to the person that they knew because they knew them, but you weren't even noticed when you walked in. You remember this, right? And maybe if you were noticed, they looked at you and they gave you a funny, goofy look and and maybe they walked up to you and they said, what are you doing here? You ever felt unwelcome somewhere? Right? You've been in these places. Nobody likes these places. You feel unwelcome. It's extremely uncomfortable. But let me just say this. Here's what I know to be true. The greatest demise, the greatest demise of cultures and organizations and businesses and even churches is the fact that over time they become absolutely unwelcoming. In fact, they miss two major ingredients when it comes to being a welcoming community, a welcoming business, and a welcoming church And maybe you don't know this, and maybe we've missed it because we live in the culture of me, but at the front of welcome is we. And you notice the two words in welcome is we come. In fact, as we begin to journey through the series of the next four weeks of what it means to be welcome, we just want to say this. Whenever you hear the word welcome, I want you to hear the words we come. We come together. We join together. This is a journey with each other. And so this morning, I'm excited about where we're headed uh, as we learn what it means to be a community of we. That it's not just about me, and it's not just about you, but it's about all of us doing this together. And so the the beginning of our talk uh, uh, is this. We're, We're talking about welcome to the gift. Today is welcome to the gift. So would you pray for me as we begin? Lord, we do give thanks for this time. We give thanks for this day. We celebrate the resurrection of you who completely defeated death, who completely defeated sin, and today we get to live amazing, victorious lives, and we give you thanks for that, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, have you ever been placed in a role you felt like you weren't ready for? Come on, you you remember that moment you were placed in a role you weren't ready for? It was pretty overwhelming. Some of you maybe got a promotion, or maybe you got a job, and your resume and your accolades didn't match up with your aptitude and your ability. And you remember the moment you sat down in the chair and the work started coming at you. And you're thinking to myself, am I going to be able to continue this kind of pace? And so for maybe weeks after weeks or months after months or maybe even years into your job, you've been thinking, I can't do this. And you work and you try harder and you do more. And then you remember, you remember the one day you sat in that chair and you thought, I just can't do this anymore. And so you stopped participating. You went to your boss, you went to whoever's in charge, of you, you said, I'm done. I'm done participating in this work environment. I, I love, maybe, maybe it's uh, when, you, when you first started driving and you were just getting your license. We know that when we get our license, like this is a sense of freedom. When we get a car and we get some keys to an ignition, it's freedom for us. But then you remember when you sat down with the instructor. Does anybody else remember this? you sit in the car, and they say, okay, go ahead, put your buckle on, you put your buckle on, put your hands at 10 and 2, and you put your hands at 10 and 2, okay, press the gas, I need you to go out here and make a right, start telling you to do all these things, and so you're driving, and they say, hey, you need to look in your rearview mirror, is anybody behind you, and so you're looking in the rearview mirror, He says, by the way, you need to check your side mirrors, because if you want to get over, and there's somebody else there, you you just might run into them, and so you start looking in your side mirrors, and then, then they say to you, by the way, you need to get back in the middle of the road, because you're starting to drift, because you're not looking at the road, and so you start looking at the road and they say hey you need to check your gauges are you, are you going too fast are you going too fast do you have enough oil pressure And so you're looking at all the oil pre- you're looking at these gauges by the way the radio is too too loud you need to turn that down so you turn it down hey you're drifting you need to get back in the middle of the road and you remember this it was like this overwhelming sense of what was supposed to give you freedom freedom suddenly became like this this taxing amount of work and and maybe you just stopped driving I mean, you remember the day when your mom or your dad said to you, hey, I need you to take your sister. I need you to take your brother. I need you to take the pet to the vet. I need you to take them to the movies. I just need you to take them. And all of a sudden, it was like you had all this responsibility you weren't ready for. You were placed in a role you weren't ready for. And so some of you don't drive the day just because of that reason. You're like, I don't want all the responsibility. And here's the truth for you and for me. No matter where we are in life, each of us has found ourselves in a role we weren't ready for. Right. Whether it was a job, a promotion or parenting or going to school or we've all been out of our comfort zone. And when we get in that kind of place, when we get in that kind of space where we feel overwhelmed, the problem for so many of us, and I need you to hear this, is we stop participating. We do. We just stop. We just stop participating. And I wonder for you, if, if you're in this place where that's your faith journey, that's your understanding of God, and that's your, been your experience with church and this thing called faith. See, see, I often wonder if the disciples, this skit was so perfect this morning, because I think the disciples felt like they were placed in a role they weren't ready for. Like Jesus tells them to follow them, and so they start doing, and they start going, and and they realize, hey, I'm not ready for this. And the more they try, and the harder they work, the more they realize they just feel like what we got today, like, you can't do this, you shouldn't be doing this, you're not measuring up, up enough, you're not meeting the standards, the Jesus standard. And so what happens with the disciples, you've seen it, and I've seen it. Think about Judas. He gets to a place where he's like, okay, I'll turn you in, and he goes, and he hangs himself. He literally—that is the the worst part of this story—is that Judas hangs himself. He literally stops participating in the life that God has called him to. I think about Peter. You think about Peter. He's like following Jesus, and all of a sudden, he—you know—Jesus is on trial, and and Peter goes out and he stands around the campfire and he's like, "Okay, I'm done. I, I don't know this guy. I'm done." And so let me just assure you this morning that it doesn't matter where you are. Even the disciples who followed Jesus stopped participating in their faith journey. Because let's be honest for a minute. Like, this supposed God that exists who died on the cross, who resurrected for you and for me, like, that's pretty weird. It's kind of mysterious. It doesn't make sense. And so often, when something doesn't make sense to us, we try to make sense by taking control. And here's what I know. Here's what I know about you, and here's what I know about me. When God doesn't make sense to us, we do godly things to make sense of God. We go to church. We get in Bible studies. We get in small groups. We start serving somewhere. We stand in the parking lot with green vests on, and we go out, and we help people, and we give to people, and we do a lot of crazy things. We work, we work, we work, and at some point in your faith journey, come on, you've been here, at some point in your faith journey, it's like... I'm not ready for this role. And the more you worked and the harder you tried, the more that God remained a mystery to you. Right? Like, faith was just a big misunderstanding. And so what happens? We just stop. We just stop altogether. We stop participating. We stop going. We stop being part of because it's a huge mystery. And so maybe that's your story today. Maybe you haven't been in church in a long time. It's the first time in a long time. Or maybe your spouse made you. Or maybe your mother made you. And I don't know who made you come today. But maybe you came because you thought, you know what, I'm just going to give it one last shot. Maybe this will be the day that it will actually work out for me. And what's beautiful about this story is that we're all invited to it. You, me, and everybody else next to you. So we're going we're gonna to do this together today. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I love the story that we're going to be looking at. This story was told by Jesus, but it was written by a man named Matthew. And if you're not familiar with Matthew at all, this guy understood what it meant to be unwelcomed in a community. See, Matthew was a tax collector. He stood on the side of the road, and not only did he collect taxes for the region, he collected taxes for the Roman Empire So he was not only hated by people, but he was hated by the Jewish faith and the Jewish people. They just couldn't stand him. And so he felt so unwelcome. And oh, by the way, Matthew was Jewish. So he knows what it's like to be on the outside looking in and wanting to be on the inside, but just couldn't get there. And all of a sudden, this guy comes up to him and says, hey, I want you to leave this life and I want you to follow me. And Matthew's like, okay. And he does. And what's so great about Matthew's story is he, he gets invited by this guy named Jesus to follow him on a new journey. And what's, what's so great about it is he witnesses everything that begins to happen in Jesus' life. In fact, the story he tells today is something that he heard on the way to Jerusalem when Jesus was about to die. So... He kind of builds this story up to where we're going today. But he basically is telling us Jesus up to this point is doing Messiah things. Like he's going around. He's healing people. He's feeding 5,000. He's doing lots of miracles. And oh, by the way, he is turning massive amounts of water into wine. Who doesn't love that guy? I do. Uh, Anyway, best friend right there. If you can turn water into wine, you're my best friend. But Jesus is doing all these amazing things. And what's great about it, the story begins to culminate. It's just getting good. And people are like, oh, I'm going to be at the right of Jesus. I'm going to be at the left of Jesus. We're going to be great in Jesus' kingdom when he overthrows the Roman government. And as they're walking to Jerusalem, Jesus says, I hate to tell you, But there is no such thing as greatness. In fact, the way this is going to end is I'm going to stand in front of people. They're going to spit on me. They're going to beat me. And oh, by the way, I'll hang on a cross half naked and I'm going to die. And they're like, no, that's that's not what Messiahs do. That's not why we're following you. We want to be awesome. We want to have a name. We want to be great. And Jesus says, listen, I know you think you know where this is headed, but you have no Clue. And that's the whole point of this story today. We think where we, we know where this story's headed. This is the theme. This is why Matthew has told us all this up to this point. is because we think where Jesus is, we know where Jesus is going with this story. And he says, I know you think you know, but you don't know. Just hang on because it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. And so he says, says to his disciples, he says to his crowd, he says this, I love this. He says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and he entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold and to another two bags of gold and to another one bag of gold, each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and he put his money to work and he gained five bags more. I love this. So also with the one, two bags of gold, gained two more. And the one who had one went off and he dug a hole, he put it in the ground, and he hid his master's money. Now I know that some of you have heard this story, some of you have heard this parable, maybe, maybe you've heard it in the business world. I don't know where you've heard it, but you've, you've heard it at some point. Maybe you've heard it from a pastor, or maybe you've heard it from a teacher that you respected. And here's what the story is not. You see, we've been told in the church, and we've been told in the world, and we've been told this lie that, hey, you have been given a set of gifts and a set of talents. And if you don't do something with the something that you've been given, you're going to go somewhere where you don't want to go. That's the story we've been, we've been told. And oh, by the way, I don't know if some of you know this, but some of you don't have the great amount of abilities and gifts like some of the other people. Sorry, you've been dealt a half a deck of cards. Can't help it. But here's the thing. Like what we hear and what we've been told is you've been, give, been given a gift, you've got to use this gift. And if you don't use it, it's a try, work harder, do this, do this, do this. And we end up feeling like we can't fit in a role that we're not, you know, we're ready for. And if, if, if I could just sit in your shoes for a minute, there has been somebody who has told you this and you have felt like I'm done. Like I'm not going to measure up. I don't have enough gifts. I don't have enough talents. Whatever the ending is for me, I guess that's what it would be. And so you will just stop and you just quit what you're doing. But that's not what the parable is. In fact, I love it. Here's what he says next. Check this out. Jesus says, he says to the guy, uh, after a long time, the master of those, uh, his master replied. Oh, wait, we're way ahead. We got to go back here. Um, Here we go. After a long time, the master of those servants returned. I love this. And he settled accounts with them. Here's what happened. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. And here's what the master says to him. Master, he said, you entrusted me with the five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And listen to what he says. The master replies, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been good and faithful with a few things. And here's the line. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in my, what's the word? Happiness. Then he said to the guy with two bags, hey, guy with two bags comes up. He says, master, you've entrusted me with two. I've gained two more. And listen to what he says. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Now, I don't know if you know this, but but this story is outrageous. And the fact that it's absurd, about as absurd as the skit that we just did on Easter Sunday, as absurd as that is, that should be a clue. It should be a wink. It should be a nod that, hey, there is something different going on. And so it's interesting. Jesus says, there was once a guy who lived on Lakeshore Drive in a penthouse who every morning would get up and he'd overlook Lake Michigan and he would sip on his European expensive coffee and he'd watch the sunrise. And then he would go and he'd put on his $10,000 suit and he'd get in his $100,000 car and he would drive to work where he had this massive, massive business, thousands of employees. And, and the best part is one day he gets up standing in his silk pajamas. Who wears silk pajamas? Anyway, standing in his silk pajamas, overlooking Lake Michigan. And he says, you know what? I think I'm going to move to Ohio. Why in the world would I live next to a lake named after the worst state in the world? I'm going to move to Ohio. It's great there. Farm fields and farm fields and farm fields. Anyway, uh, so he says, I'm going to move. So he goes to Lake Michigan, or he goes to Michigan Avenue. And guess what? He doesn't find... Uh, the most successful people in the world. He finds three homeless people, and he walks up to him, and he says, by the way, I'm a billionaire. Here's five for year for you. Here's two billion for you, and here's one billion for you. And everybody is looking at him like, you're an idiot. Like, why don't you give it to your wife? Or why don't you give it to your kids? Or why don't you give it to next of kin? Why would you give it to two people who, who, by the way, society deems as the low end of society, right? That's exactly what Jesus is saying is that this master entrusts his entirety, his empire, his wealth to some of the most low people in the world. And you know what you would say? You know what I would say? That's risky. That's risky business. Thanks, Tom Cruise. But you know what's great? That's what this entire story is about. It is about a master who takes a risk on people. And you know what he's risking? You know what he's risking? Their participation. Their participation. See, the crazy part of this story is this is a story about gift. Is it about blessing? It's about abundance. It's about mercy. It is about gift. That's what this whole story is about. And he's risking their participation in his gift. I love that. He's risking their participation in the gift. Maybe you don't know this, but every part of our lives has risk in it. Did you know that? When you have kids, you're taking a risk that your kids could either be awesome or they could turn out to be really big losers or really big pains in the butts. You take a risk when you do that. When you go to work, you take a risk. When you you do something for your neighbor, you take a risk. We take risks every single day. And that is part of life. But here's what I know to be true. I think that so many of us feel un... I think we feel like we're not ready for the role because we're so unwilling to risk. You ever think about that? Maybe the reason you don't feel ready for the role that God has placed you for and given to you is because you're unwilling to risk. That's the beauty of the gift. Risking your participation. What would risk look like in our business? Come on. You've been there at work before and somebody say to you, hey, hey, it's nothing personable. It's what? It's what? It's just strictly business. And we like that line, but you know what that line says? Listen, I don't actually care about you. I'm going to undercut you. I'm going to chump you. I'm going to do whatever I possibly can to, to climb the ladder over you. So here's the risk. What if you, as an employee of an organization that builds itself on climbing the ladder, walked in one day and said, you know what? I'm not here to climb the ladder. I'm actually just here to help you climb the ladder. Oh, that would be a huge risk because then people would look at you and they say, what's wrong with this guy? What's wrong with this girl? What's wrong with this person? Why would they do that? And you would probably be looked at like a goon in your organization. You know, it's interesting for me. I love I love thinking about parenting. Come on, parents. Every morning you wake up and you see your kids and the first thing you do is go. Oh. Come on, you, you, you've done that, right? What if the risk is waking up and recognizing the gift in front of you, and the risk is saying, What are we gonna do today that's gonna create a different memory that when my kid looks back, they're gonna say, I remember that. That was happiness. I remember that. That was joy. That was fun. That was exciting. What are we gonna do every day with our families? How are we gonna view our families in such a way that we take a risk with our kids and we take a risk with our spouses and in our marriages? Come on, you have been in a fight with your spouse. And you know what it's like inside. You're saying to yourself, I'm not going to go over and say, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And nobody wants to take a risk in the marriage. And then the marriage fails and we wonder why. But what if, what if you took a risk to walk up? Yeah, there's a possibility your spouse or that loved one may totally reject you. But what if you just walked up and said, I'm sorry. I love thinking about education. What if we took a risk in education? My philosophy is this. If you stop learning, you might as well stop living. That's all there is to it. If you stop learning, you might as well stop living. But what if we quit viewing education as a way to process information, but as a way of understanding the world around us? See, that's why you go to school. We go to school because we want to understand the world around us. We want to know how it works. We want to make sense of it. And what if every opportunity, what if the risk was taking a different perspective on education? I think so many of us don't fit into the role. We never feel ready for the role because we're not willing to risk. And we don't risk participating in the gift. It's fun. I got a text this week. We have a young lady in our church who is sensing God's call on her life. It is awesome. It's fun to watch. And we've been having conversations back and forth. And she says to me this week, she texts me, and she says, by the way, I'm thinking about quitting my job. I just want to go all in. And and here's the calculated response, not the risky response. I say, what are you doing? Why would you quit your job? That's stupid. Like, why would you do that? Like, don't quit your job. Like, don't go all in yet. That, that's too risky. And I asked her, I said, well, what, what do people think about you quitting your job and, and, and just going all in, going to school, and, and, and just diving 100% into this thing? And she said, they think I'm wacky. And I said, well, guess what? You're on the right track then. Like, when people say I'm crazy or weird or wacky. Uh, yeah, I am, and I love that. Right, that means I'm going somewhere. If I'm normal, that means I'm just boring. Like, if you're normal, that just means you're boring. And I wonder, I wonder if you were to take a risk in your life, and it's not that you have to go out and jump out of a plane or do something crazy, but what if you just took a risk with what God has already given you, the gift that he's already given you? What if you viewed life that way? And here's what we risk not participating. Check it out. Here's what Jesus says. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came back and he said, "Um, I love this. Master, I knew that you were a hard and cruel man. Harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. It's kind of like the story this morning. You're a hard man. You go around telling everybody how bad they are, how big of sinners they are, and what a bunch of losers they are. There's no hope for you because you're a sinner. That's the kind of guy you are. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. And here's what we don't like to hear. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. And he says, well, then you should have put my money on deposit. The least you could have done is gain interest at the bank. That's the least you could have done. So take the bag of gold from him, give it to the guy that went and got 10 bags of gold. And then he says, forever has will be given more and uh, will give them more abundance. And I love that word. it will be given abundance. And whoever does not have what they will have will be taken away from them. And this is what we don't like, because I'm guessing you've been told something about this parable that has to deal with. Some nastiness. So here, here he goes. He says, Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and there will be gnashing of teeth. See, come on now. Y- you want the old school preacher to stand up and say, Y'all are sinners now. You don't work with the gift you've been given. You're going to hell. <laughs> right? That's what we've grown up with. That's what we grew up with. But, 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 Look at what makes the master so unhappy. Look at what makes the master so unhappy. It's actually not the fact that he, did, he just went and hid what was given to him. It was the fact of how he responded to the master. He said, you are a hard and cruel man. What about the opening of this story says that this master is hard and cruel and mean and not generous? You, you see, Jesus is saying, this gift is amazing. I am giving it to you with no restrictions. I'm not even telling you what to do with it. What about me is harsh and cruel? And you know what? This kind of sounds like judgment, but it, it is judgment. And it's not something that you'll, you'll experience in the future, but what Jesus wants to say right now is, this is something that you experience right here, right now. When you refuse to participate in the gift we become angry, we become fearful, we live anxious lives, we live in bubbles, everything has to be calculated and figured out, we, 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 we kind of push other people away out of fear of what, might, what they might do to us, we try to protect everything we have, we keep scorecards, we don't forgive, we just kind of live life with this gnashing of teeth. You met these people, come on, I was at Lowe's the other day and this guy's checking out and he's cussing out the South checkout line. Like, it's your fault, dude. How can you cuss out somebody when you're the one doing it? Like, but you could see it. You sense these people. They're angry at life. As soon as they walk in, you can sense in their presence there's not joy. They aren't participating in the master's happiness because they refuse to participate in the gift. And I love this. Because this is where Jesus leans in and he looks at you and he looks at me and he says, This is the story of Easter. I've taken a risk on you and now I want you to risk it as well. I want you to participate in this gift. And what I love about this parable, it's not about what you do, it's not about how hard you work. It's not about using the gifts that we've been given because we'll end up feeling like we're not ready for a role that God's placed us in. But I love it. Jesus says, come on, participate. Risk it all. And I'm telling you, the moment you begin to risk it, it's still going to be weird. It's still going to be mysterious. You may not fully understand who God is and what's going on. But you know what? That is the beauty of faith It's enjoying the mystery of God. And it's enjoying the mystery as he unfolds your story throughout human history. And so the question is, do you want to live happy lives or do you want to live painful and grueling lives that feel like you're in the midst of darkness? This is a story of abundance. This is a story of grace. This is a story of blessing. This is a story of God's gift to humanity. And so he says, welcome to the gift. That's the story of Easter. Welcome to the gift where everyone, you, me, all of us are welcome. So, I would say this to you today. Maybe you have questions about God. Maybe this is your first time in a long time, like we've already said. Maybe you're just here because you have to, and somebody told you, you better go with me, or I'm not going to feed you ham today. So, you said, I'm eating some ham. I'm I'm going. But I want you to know today that, that even outside of faith, there is a life that kind of moves beyond the average it moves beyond the monotony it moves beyond looking at our jobs like they're just things that we have to do rather than things we get to do it's more than just just sighing as we see our kids in the morning it's learning to take joy and happiness in life but i'm going to tell you now it's still going to be unfulfilled as long as it's without the one who gives that gift So maybe for you, the first step today is to say, I don't know where it leads. I don't know what it looks like. And again, it's going to be weird. It's going to be crazy. But I'm going to take a risk today. I'm going to take a risk in participating in this wonderful gift I really don't understand, whose name is Jesus. Who not only died for you, but then came back and defeated death and said, there is no sin that has power over you and me. And that we can live in the master's happiness. And rather than bearing what he gives us, we begin to share it with those who need it. And so this morning, I want you to do something. I love this. I've never heard a pastor say this to any congregation, so you'll be the first. I'm sure it's been said, but let's just pretend like today it's profound. Here's what I want you to do. Some of you are saying like, yeah, this is the point, Pastor, where you're going to tell me where I need to go out and give all my money away and share it with people. No, 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 that, that's, that's next week. Come back next week. We'll, we'll talk about that. But here's what I want you to do this week. Everybody can do this because we're good at this as it is. I want you to do something extravagant for you this week. Now, some of you are like, I've got that down. I, can, I have no problem with that. I have no problem with that. My wife, on the other hand, she has a problem with doing things extravagant for herself. Taking a shower during the week is extravagant for her um, just because she doesn't have time. No, I mean, I mean that, like, genuinely. Like, <laughs> she doesn't have much time for herself. I think that's where I'm at. Uh, I'll just stop. But I want you to do something extravagant for yourself, and here's why. I don't care if you buy something on Amazon that you've always wanted, or you go jump out of a plane, or you get a facial, or Manny, mani, or a pedicure, or, you know, uh, maybe it's just taking a walk for you, or just a shower for you. I don't know what it is. But do something extravagant, right? Do something crazy and fun, and here's what I want you to do. When you get in that moment and that package shows up, or you jump out of that plane, or you take that shower, or you go for that walk, or whatever it is that you're going to do that's extravagant for you. I just want you to pause in that moment. Just pause. And I want you to capture the joy and the happiness and the life that it brings to you. And as you pause and you experience the joy, you experience the happiness, you experience the gift, I want you to say to yourself, this is the gift God gives me. This is a reminder of the gift God gives me. So your pastor's telling you to go out and spend money. Come on, man. This is a great reason to do it. If your pastor tells you to do it, you probably should do it. Go spend money. Do something crazy this week. But pause in the moment as a reminder of God's abundance, of his blessing. Of the grace and gift that it gives each of you. And you know what's fun? Is when you just get a taste of it. When you just get a bite of it. Maybe it's eating a big old cake on your own. I don't know. You want to share it with other people. And so I got a story for you today that we're going to share. His name's Jeff. Jeff's an awesome guy, but I want to share this with you. But I want you to listen to how his story into the gift begins. It begins with a couple who says, hey, why don't you come join us in the gift? You, my friend, even though you're not there yet and you've got a long way to go and we've got a long way to go, we want you to come. We want you to feel welcome in this journey with us. Come on, come to our church. You'll love it. It'll be exciting. You'll have a good time. You are welcome to join us. And so here's what happens. I want you to hear this story.
1: It all started with the uh, Vacation Bible School. Uh, well, first it was a, a, a children's uh, play that was put on two years ago with uh, Jeannie and uh, Ron invited uh, me and my kids to watch that, but then it was a Vacation Bible School where it all started. And Life before I was resurrected was uh, unclear, murky. I was very agitated, um, kind of not positive thinking, always thinking negative that something bad is gonna happen. Uh, instead of the good I really didn't have any direction I was kind of lost didn't know where uh, I was uh, the reason why I was put on earth I just feel a sense of direction as we're in services I just feel uh, something different that's over over my body over my soul and that it's changed my life as um, I had a rocky relationship uh, with uh, the mother of my children, and now it's kind of a strong foundation ever since I've been coming here, things have been getting better between us, and I sense that God has uh, proven to me that there is uh, second chances in life uh, outside of this, and my relationship with my kids is as strong as ever. Now I'm looking towards the, the good instead of the, the bad, and um, used to swear a lot, um, I try to be now a role model for others and my children, but in life and now I feel the need if I see something out of place, something on the ground, I wanna pick it up, I wanna make life and, and earth a better place, but I also wanna be a role model for others in a sense, uh, you know, trying not to swear as much, uh, trying not to get angered as much, and also trying to, to go with the flow and, and see how would God, how does God wanna respond to two things before I never even looked to God. It was like my own feelings got in the way and how my beliefs in God got misinterpreted with what people have told me in the past. Now it's, it's better in a sense of I'm at ease with myself. I always wanna come to church and hear what the lesson what the preach is about. It's not just the Bible, it's about everyday life, how you can take these services and bring them to life outside of church. I just feel a, a close-knit family here at the, the church, First Church of Nazarene. Everyone's open, nobody passes judgment on you, where you've come, where you're headed, and I just want to say thank you to everybody uh, for this church. as I, I just feel so welcome and feel so at home. Um, and I hope everyone gets to witness what I've witnessed in the last year. It's been a a very positive influence on my life and, and my family.